I love this first one uh, because Noah and his family were stuck with the animals on the ark for over a year after it had rained for 40 days and 40 nights until the flood waters receded. I wonder what that's like to be stuck with your family in the house for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, you know, with all the, the, the noise that goes with that, with all the, um, living together that goes with that, to be unable to go out and do the things that you normally would do. Normally, uh, Easter is one of the few times that we encounter this story and it's perfect for this year because eventually God does, uh, dry up the waters and and Noah lands on on Mount Ararat and uh uh sends out the dove and the dove comes back and and brings an olive branch so so Noah knows that the land is dry and God promises that such a thing will never happen again there will come a day friends when the floodwaters recede and we too will go back out of our houses again. Uh, there will come a day when all this will pass. And uh, the thing that Noah does as soon as he gets out of the ark is he worships. The thing that he does as soon as he gets out of the ark with his family is he sets up an altar, a place for worship, uh, and he gathers uh, his family, uh, his children, his children's children, uh, and worships in that place. Uh, and I'm already excited about that day for us, um, whatever that will be. Uh, we're celebrating Easter today, um, but I, I, I have a feeling we will celebrate a bigger Easter uh, whenever we are back in our worship space together again. It's good to be with you all. These, um, what are usually the smaller services of our church here, uh, are some of my favorite. Glad to see that the sun uh, has has come up. My house has still got all the blinds closed, so I'm glad to see those of you who are outside uh, so that I can tell that the sun has come up. There's something powerful about these uh, small, intimate gatherings. Um, I've been saying uh, since we started this, since it became clear that we wouldn't be gathering at the church building for Easter, uh, that... This is uh, the most historically accurate Easter celebration that we have known in our lifetimes. Because when Easter first came, it began with a group of women out in the dark by themselves, uh, and it spread to a small group locked in their home because they were afraid. A small group who did not leave all of Saturday, their home, because they were afraid that what had happened to Jesus would happen to them. That by association, by contact, by being in the same social circle, what had happened to Jesus would happen to them, that they too would be brought up on charges by the authorities, that they too would find their lives ended abruptly and early, uh, 
and unexpectedly. So they hid. And here we are, in our homes. Uh, but thanks to the gifts of uh, 2,000 years of uh, advancement, we are not alone as we gather in our homes. Uh, we have the gift of being able to be spiritually connected to one another, even as we are physically distant. Uh, and uh, I've enjoyed these last few days of being able to uh, see you as we worship. Uh, it's a, uh, been a great boon and a joy to me, and I hope it has been for you as well. But here we are at Easter, and uh, we, we hear this series of stories at this sunrise service. Um, and I, I wanted to highlight um, a couple of them. You know, we read the Noah story, and we read the Exodus story, and we read Romans. And each of them is tied to the water. Did you notice that? Uh, in Noah, we have God drawing back the water and saving Noah and his family, and through Noah and his family, all of humanity from the waters of the flood. And then in the book of Exodus, we have the people passing through the waters on dry land to get to the other side, to get out of slavery and toward the promised land. And then in Romans, we hear how in baptism, we have been united in death with Jesus Christ so that we can be united in resurrection with him. A bit about water. One of the things to know is that for the ancient Israelites, water is not a thing to be bothered with. It is not a thing to spend time around unless you have to. Uh, ancient people are not swimmers. The ancient Israelites are not mariners. Uh, it's a landlocked nation. Uh, and if you go out on the water, you go out on the water in a small boat on the Sea of Galilee. You don't go out on the Mediterranean. Water is where chaos dwelt. Water is, is this thing that over which they had no control. Their lives were, were set apart by water, right? It either rains in abundance or doesn't rain for months. There's no in-between, and no one can control that. No one can decide how that happens. Notice how many miracles in the New Testament have to do with water. Jesus walking on water. Jesus calming the storm. It's because water was such a powerful force for them. And so we hear in these stories how God delivers out of water, and I wanted to play that uh, uh, version of Wade in the Water. Many of us know the story of that song that, that, it, that as an African-American spiritual, it was used to tell how God delivered through the waters, that if you wanted to escape the dogs of the slave catchers, one way to do that was to walk through the waters on your way out. Uh, so that your scent would be dispersed, to wade in the waters. For them too, right? If you're a slave, you don't learn how to swim. It's not a thing that happens. Because you learn how to swim, you learn how to escape. And so those who were running from slavery risked their lives to wade through the water 
the waters that God had troubled in order to find freedom. And I think that's one of the most powerful images of our salvation that we have. You see, we think about life as remaining safe, life about as avoiding death, avoiding fear, avoiding those things that might trouble us. But we hear God's going to trouble the water. God is going to stir things up for us. God is going to call us directly in and through the waters. And it's in and through the waters that we find our salvation. As Paul says, you can spend your life avoiding death, but if you want to experience the resurrection that Jesus experienced, the only way to experience it is by passing through death in the waters of baptism. We have been united with Christ. And if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We have experienced a thousand and one small deaths this year. The death of our normal lives, the death of our normal routines, the death of the opportunities to gather together, the death of, for some of us, a hope, the death of life as we knew it up to this point. That's hard. I think it's okay to make space for the fact that this has been a hard year for many of us. But if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In the quiet of the morning, Mary goes to the tomb. In the quiet of the morning, in the garden, Mary bumps into whom she supposes must be the gardener. The one who bumps into him is the one who stayed to weep. John and Peter ran back, ran out, because they were so excited, but Mary, Mary still stood there and wept. And Mary, in her tears, is the one who gets to see Jesus first that morning. This morning means that our tears don't win. That in our tears, we find joy. In our grieving, we find the resurrected Christ. In our thousand and one little deaths, we find our resurrection. There is new life coming for us, and it will not look the same as it has always looked, and that's a good thing. Because resurrection life transforms us. Resurrection life brings us into something new. We, friends, we faithful ones who gather in the dark, sitting outside the tomb. We faithful ones who wait behind locked doors out of fear, we are being called to wade in the waters and to find a new freedom and a new hope, united with Christ in his new life. Each of us in holy baptism was washed in water, and we kind of take it for granted 
I walked over to my tap today and turned that on, and all of a sudden, clean, drinkable water came out of that. It's not true in most of the world, and it's not true throughout most of history. We live in a unique time in that place. Even in the middle of our quarantine, we have clean water coming out of our taps. Ordinary stuff that we take for granted. But through it, in our baptisms, we have been saved through the water. And now we're called to go out and wade through the water. It's a great way that Luther recommends that uh, we remember our baptisms, that we remember what God has done for us in baptism, how we have been united with Christ's death and resurrection. He says that every time you wash your face, you ought to remember your baptism because it's one of the few times that he would encounter water throughout his day. You know what's even better in this time of increased hygiene? Every time you wash your hands, say to yourself, I am baptized. Every time you wash your hands, say to yourself, I have been given new life. Together, we wade in the water and we trust in the promise that Christ is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.